Hi, I'm Walter Hallam, and you're listening today to the Walter Hallam Ministries podcast. Get ready to receive a powerful word from God today. But let me uh, take you through this particular passage because uh, you will not hear a lot of preaching about it in the body of Christ. You'll hear people refer to it, pass over it, and keep on going. But uh, let's just learn about it for a few minutes this evening. In Luke chapter 7, beginning in verse 11, 7-11. We're going to 7-11 before we go home tonight. Luke chapter 7, verse 11. And it came to pass the day after that he went into a city called Nain. And many of his disciples went with him and much people. Okay, let's get the context with me real quick. Here's Jesus. He's going into a city. He's going into a place. He's been feeding people. He's been multiplying bread. He's been doing all kinds of things. And now he goes into this one particular town called Nain, which really kind of the ruins of this town are all that um, still exist today, though they have found that. Archaeologists have found it. But Jesus goes into this town, a small town, not too far from Jerusalem called Nain. And the scripture says a large crowd went with him and people are following him. The Bible says, and there was much people. Everybody say much. It just means a large crowd. Now, let me ask you a question. If Jesus is healing people, can you imagine if Jesus is, is probably on about a 30 or 40 mile journey right now and he's been going different places. I'm sure he's picking up some people that are following with him and, um, Everywhere he went, the Bible says, he healed the sick. He did all type of miracles. He taught. Uh, he multiplied bread and fish. He's doing all kinds of things. And so he's got a, a big crowd following him. His disciples are probably panicking. Jesus is out exposed like that. They know he's getting enemies. And here he's got a big crowd and he's just kind of uh, going down the dusty road, so to speak. Can you imagine the noise in that crowd? Because you never knew when God in flesh was going to do something. Can you see the, the excitement and the zeal? Maybe periodically, maybe. Periodically, Jesus would stop and just say, everybody sit down and rest. And uh, let me just teach you for a while while you're doing that. And they were feeding on that. And they were excited about it. And probably when they would go from place to place, uh, there would be sick people that might come out. And he would heal them. And they would ooh and ah. And they would praise God. And you can just see the joy and the zeal that must have been in that crowd around Jesus. Do you, do, do you get my drift right here? Can you understand what I'm saying? And so the scripture says he's going toward Nain and he's got a big crowd of people going with him. Look at verse 12. Now when he came nigh to the gate of the city, behold, there was a dead man carried out, the only son of his mother. Listen to the detail. The only son of his mother. The, the, the word right there for man, the dead man and the son, uh, those words actually imply a male somewhere between 20 and 40 years old normally. So it's not like this is a little kid. So this is a mother. Uh, it's her only son. If, if he's 20 years old, she's going to be in her 40s at least or, or something like that in all probability. And if he's over 20 years old, she could be actually moving on up in age a little bit. And uh, the scripture says, and it's her only son. And the only son of his mother... And she was a widow. Her husband had died, which is a very difficult thing in anybody's, in any era of life, but especially in that particular day. So let's say that she, she doesn't have all of her, her hot looks that she used to have. Everybody shout hallelujah. 
and she's on up in age. She's a widow. And the only son who she hoped probably would help her in her old age has now died. So she's got a lot of different factors coming toward her. Not only her pain and her grief, she has to be worried just about life itself and what's going to happen next. And uh, there were all type of uh, uh, rituals and customs that would take place uh, when something like this would happen. But this, this young man, or this man, he's the only male heir, apparently. That's what it's implying in that family. And oftentimes when someone would die, and they were, there was no one to pass their goods on to, like their clothes, their shoes, and things like that. There, there was a custom, uh, and they would give those clothes to someone else. Somebody would come and get those clothes. And uh, I've, we've done that in my family. I think I've mentioned it before. By the grace of God, since we've had the honor of pastoring this great church, we have inherited several times. My mother's passed away. My father passed away. Uh, Cindy's grandparents uh, passed away. Uh, and, and, and her father-in-law, I mean, her stepfather passed away and some other people in our family. And every time, just because of the love of God and just sometimes one time it was totally unexpected, we inherited something and it was passed on to us. And then some things we didn't inherit by a will or something, they were just given to us. And there were clothes and there were things that were given. And believe me, I need the storage place at the house uh, to prove what I'm telling you is true because I'm not really sure what you do with all of that when it's given to you like that. But praise the Lord. Y'all doing okay? And so here this woman is, her only son has died. In all probability, it's a high probability that she has distributed out uh, some of his things, maybe to other family members, uh, but she has no need for them in that sense uh, for use in the house herself anymore. And many of his disciples went with him. He comes nigh, verse 20, to the gate of the city. And behold, there was a dead man carried out the only son of his mother. She was a widow. And much people of the city was with her. Now look, you got Jesus coming with a big crowd. And they're all rejoicing like, woohoo, something good's going to happen today. I expect a miracle. I wonder if it's going to be bread and fish today. What's Jesus going to multiply today? I wonder if it's lepers today. I wonder what, if it's blind eyes. They're talking about all of these things. And all of a sudden there's a big crowd and it's like two spectrum, the two ends of society that suddenly meet. One of them is full of life and expectation. I mean, God in flesh is walking with this big crowd and he's been traveling with them. You know, something good has been happening. And they're just as zealous for, for God. Can you imagine how they must just be lit on the inside? And as they come up to the gates of the city, because funerals were done outside the city gates almost always. And so they come outside that city gate. And when they do, here's another large crowd. So this person had a certain notoriety to them. Uh, they, they must have been good people. They, they, uh, had a lot of people, the scripture says, just like Jesus had a lot of people. And that's really not that common to have a lot of people at a funeral. I mean, in your lifetime, you meet, you know, a quarter of a million people or so. Uh, it's amazing how many people in your lifetime that you actually meet, and sometimes many more. Uh, but when you finally go to heaven, depending on how old you are, especially, sometimes you outlive all of the people you knew almost. And um, uh, other times, you were, uh, there, there are people that come, and uh, you don't even know why they showed up at the funeral, but they're just nice and they just come and there's something that attracts them. But for one thing's for sure, 
uh, this person had a large funeral going on, and here comes a large move of God. And you've got all of the pain and the sorrow and the suffering and the hurting and uh, obviously the grief that this mother would be having and all of the confusion that that had to have put in her beginning with the, 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 the pain and the grief. And here comes all of the goodness of God walking down the road. I'm not really sure exactly how those two crowds interacted because the Bible doesn't say. But it does say that they came upon that and the people of the city, much people, was with her. And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion. Everybody shout compassion. He had compassion on her and he goes to the, uh, the widow, the mother. I'm not really sure how he got to her. It doesn't say he knew who she was. And uh, none of the uh, facts are there that we would like to just know how he did. But somehow or another, God just walked right up to her and says to her, weep not. Now, out of all of the things that could be said, that was one that almost didn't make any sense in the natural. Because it's almost impossible not to grieve and not to weep. Uh, you've almost got a problem uh, if, if, if one of your children goes to heaven and you can't weep. And so here she is uh, weeping, but Jesus came and because of compassion, he said unto her, weep not. Now watch this. And he came and touched the, the beer, the B-I-E-R, beer, I'm reading King James. It's, a, it's the same word for coffin. It's the Greek word for coffin. He came and he touched the coffin. It was either a wooden or a wicker box. That's what they put them in. He touched the coffin and they that bear him stood still. The scripture says Jesus walks up to the mother. I won't illustrate it, but I'll just tell it real quick. Jesus walks up to the mother and he says, weep not. Maybe he was feeling his own mother's uh, pain that was going to happen not many days from now when Jesus was crucified himself because he actually said something to John from the cross. How many of you know that story? And uh, he, there's something in him, but deep compassion. I don't have any idea how many uh, funerals Jesus actually witnessed and saw the pain of humanity when that would take place. Uh, but one thing's for sure, if he ever got close enough to one, he could mess a funeral up real quick. And the scripture says he went over and he touched the coffin. He didn't touch the boy, the man. He just touched the thing that the man was in. And when he touched the box that the man was laying in, Something happened. Woo. Somebody shout hallelujah. hallelujah. And uh, the Bible says, And they that bear him stood still. And he said, Young man, I say unto you, Arise. And he that was dead sat up and began to talk. Is that in your Bible? And he delivered him to his mother. Can you agree that she probably swapped crowds that day? She probably just said, I think I'll just follow Jesus' crowd. Come on, Junior, let's go. Wherever that man goes, we're going with him. I can just tell you that doctrinally and, and religiously speaking, that doesn't make any sense for something like that to happen. But when Jesus touches your life and gets you out of the box that has you nailed in, uh, has you all bound up, the lid's on top of it. I mean, your box doesn't have to be physical death. I'm preaching real good and you're not even talking to me right now. I'm trying to be real calm and nice and not get all worked up on Wednesday night. But now listen, you got to get a hold of that picture right there because 
Uh, Jesus didn't go and do that to every person who died in, in Nain or every person in Bethany like he did with Lazarus. He didn't go to every single person. But there were a few instances in the scripture where he did. And Jesus, the Bible says, was the first born from the dead. He was not the first raised from the dead. Jesus raised several people from the dead. There were people raised from the dead in the Old Testament. Uh, the Apostle Paul raised some people, uh, people from the dead. I think Peter raised someone from the dead one time. And so that we have recorded. So I don't even know about all the others, but Jesus, the scripture says, was the first born from the dead. Oh my goodness, you want to start a religious theological war, just say what the Bible says, that Jesus was born from the dead. And the Bible says he was born of the Spirit. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, how many of you know that's in your Bible? And it's doctrinally written in your Bible, in Romans and in 1 Corinthians and places like that, uh, and in Colossians especially, that Jesus was born from the dead. Oh, my goodness. Do you know what happened when you got saved? You were born from the dead. You were born again also. And when you were born from the dead, there are people who do not like the fact if you say that Jesus was born again. Well, Jesus didn't walk down the aisle and get born again, but he walked into hell for us. And there God birthed him back out, the scripture says, and even the illustrations of that. Uh, the earth travails and groans. That's the word for a woman's birth pains that she's having contractions and birth pains like that. Even the earth travails and groans before it delivers, Amen. waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God, the Bible says. There's coming a day when God's just going to birth you out also into eternity. It's called the rapture of the church. And the dead in Christ are going to go up first. Woo, glory to God. But Jesus took our sin, he took all of that for us, and was, did not just take that upon us. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, He that knew no sin was made to be sin for us. Come on. That we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. He substituted for us. And sin is not in the flesh, the Bible says, sin's in the spirit. And so Jesus took that on himself. He never committed a sin he took that, the Bible says, and carried that for us. And then God, in a type there, had him born from that fallen condition that he allowed himself to take on in substitution for us. And he went into the heart of the earth. He went into hell. And there, uh, on the appointed time, somewhere in that 72 hours, God said, yeah, you think it was finished at Calvary. It's really finished now. And the Bible says God raised him from the dead. And in doing so, he was born of the Spirit. Woo! Glory to God. Uh, justified, the Bible says, in the Spirit. And that he was seen of angels. My Lord. I get excited thinking about that. I'm trying not to get off on that message. He came and touched the coffin and said, uh, uh, let, him, let him go. Arise, death, let go of him. Arise. And he that was dead sat up and began to speak. And they delivered him to his mother. And there came fear on everyone. And they glorified God, saying that a great prophet is risen up among us and that God has visited his people. Can you agree you would be saying that a great prophet has come upon if God raises somebody up from the dead around you? 
Uh, can I just say that when someone is born again and spiritually they are born from that position or that condition of spiritual death, uh, we ought to be magnifying God and giving God all of the glory. Uh, now listen, for the sake of time, once again, I, I want to illustrate, I'll pick this up on Sunday, but he was actually in a box. And we live in a culture, we live in a society that is almost, it's punctuated by boxes. How many of you have a mailbox? Huh? How about a post office box? How about on your computer you have a drop box? Anybody got a drop box? You go to the baseball game, you get box seats. Okay. If you, if you like to play golf, uh, you know they have the tee box. You go and you tee off. Everything, it seems like, uh, is boxes. Anybody like hockey? There's not a lot of ice rinks down here, though there are a couple of them. Hockey, you know, they have the penalty box. And here this guy's died, and he's in a, a, let's call it a pine box. Do you remember when you were a kid? Any, any of you remember this? Back in maybe the 80s and the 70s and the 80s, even back in there, they used to have something called a boom box. Y'all know what a boom box is? I mean, like you just carry that thing around, you thought you were all of that in a bag of chips, you know? If you had that thing going around... In baseball, they have something called a batter's box. In boxing, they have, what do they have? Boxing gloves. How about box gloves? Would that be all right? If you uh, work in, the, in journalism, they have the press box. If you play basketball, like some of these guys do, uh, you have to, they have a technique called boxing out. So you have to box somebody out. And uh, the bigger your box is, the better you can box out. I don't even want to go there. If you're traveling by railroad, they have box cars. Uh, if you like Valentine's, you'll get a box of chocolate. Y'all doing okay? Go to the restaurant here in just a minute. Go to Denny's and they'll give you a to-go box. If you're a politician, they have something called a ballot box. Webster has an interesting term for box. It says it is a container, something used to hem in. It can be a small space. Uh, it can be something that is large or small, or it can even be a coffin. Webster's Dictionary. And he's in a box. Somebody once said that, that a rut is just a box with both ends kicked out of it. It's a coffin almost with both ends kicked out of it. And here, see the type with me, if you will, just for a second, because I believe that the enemy wants to keep your life in a box. Imagine all the potential this young man had and however he died, uh, he did. And now he's just boxed in. Well, can you just get spiritual with me and think about a person who's alive, but their life gets boxed in. They get boxed into debt. They get boxed in because of sickness. They're boxed in because of, of uh, relational uh, situations that they feel like they'll never get out of. They're boxed in because they feel like time has passed them by. I hear people tell me uh, periodically, though I'm not the guy to say this to, I promise you, that I'm just born out of time. You know, I feel like I'm just trapped right here. I should have been born back in the 1800s or something. And I'm like, well, you, you smell like you were, you know. <laughs> Glory to God, but you're living today, so get some right guard and all of that stuff, you know. 
Just because they didn't have it back then doesn't mean you can't have it today. How many of you glad soap is cheap? And so um, anyway, circumstances box people in in life. But you know, we serve a God who's bigger than the box. We have to be careful that we don't get just boxed into these religious boxes. You notice Jesus didn't touch this man. Jesus touched the box that was holding this man trapped in and brought him forth out of that. I can't imagine, I can only imagine, because I have a pretty vivid imagination, I promise you, and I can imagine how this guy is laying in that box and Jesus touches the box and maybe the thing shakes a little bit on the inside and the Bible says the guy carrying it stopped like, whoa. Y'all want me to tell you a story real quick before, I, before we close? I was golfing one day. I cannot say I'm a real good golfer, but I've probably hit shots that you've never hit before. I promise you. And I'm going to tell you about one of them right now. I don't care how good you are. I was, I was up in uh, the woodlands uh, playing on a golf course a few years ago with Tim Story. Do y'all know Tim Story? And with Pastor Josh and me and with my nephew, who is a pastor in College Station. And so we're up there playing around the golf. And, uh, and I, I do not make any claim to being a, good, being a good golfer. I mean, Rick, now he's a good golfer. He's got a real low handicap and all of those kind of things. And I mean, I drive up to the golf, you know, shop and the pro shop. And there's a sign out there that says handicap park. And I'm thinking that's the one for me because you don't know how high my handicap is, you know. So anyway, so I'm out there, the wind's blowing. I'm going to say it the way I want to say it. The wind's blowing uh, pretty good that day. It's a par three. It's probably a pretty long par three, maybe, I don't know, 180 yards or something, which for me, that's a long par three. And so here I am. The, the, are, y'all, are y'all okay? So here I am, and uh, there's trees all around us. We're playing a, a wooded course up there in the woodlands, of course. And so uh, right next to the fairway out here, there's a road that comes by, you know. So it's an elevated tee. I'm up here on this elevated tee, and, and it goes down like this, and then the green's down there, you know. And it's just a straight shot. I mean, how can you miss it? There's nothing to it, right? Just hit it and let it fly. You know, tee it high, let it fly. You know what they say. And so um, I, I tied up there, man, and I let it go. And when I did... You know, I opened up the face of that club or let my elbow fly or do whatever it is you do to create that real nice slice. So it was like a 300-yard shot, 100 this way and 200 that way. You know, one of those kind. And man, that thing, and that wind takes that. And down the road comes a funeral procession. I told you I've hit shots you've never hit before. And the ball hit the top of the hearse. And I turned and looked at Pastor Josh and went, I can't believe you did that. Those people are driving by, you know, I can't believe you did that, you know. That's why you have an assistant right there, you know. So anyway, Jesus comes up and uh, they just kept on going. I think they felt like something must have hit the top of the car. It didn't hit the windshield, it hit the top of the car. Although I, I can only imagine what those guys driving must have thought that day. Jesus touches that box, something happens and they all stopped. And then all of a sudden the the man that was in it, Jesus said, sit up. And the Bible says the guy sat up and started talking. Now I'm not really sure what he was talking about, but I like to think about what he might've been talking about. 
But I know what I would have been saying, Brother Ram, because I know who I am. If I would have set up, I would have said, thank you, Jesus, for setting me free from this box that's got me bailed up. And then I would have been looking at that crowd saying, he's wearing my coat. That's my shoes. Give me back my shoes. Listen, sometimes... <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes you can get set, just get caught up in something and you just wind up losing so many things. But when Jesus touches your box, come on, when you, you pray, you're in the house of God on a Wednesday night, you worship the Lord, you're faithful. And when you do that, I believe God doesn't just touch you. He touches the thing that has you boxed in. This is Walter Hallam, and I want to thank you for listening today and just receiving that good word of God that you've gotten off of this podcast. You know, bringing a podcast to you, it's free to you, but it costs to take the gospel of Jesus to the world. You can be a partner. You can help support. Uh, Men and women I found are so generous when the word of God is coming into their life. They want to help take that gospel to someone else. You can text to give today to 832-981-1601. And you can give any support, any amount, and it will be a great blessing. And it will help take the gospel of Jesus uh, to someone else. We'll go the next day and the next day. So text to give today, 832-981-1601. And I want to thank you in advance because without you and with others who support, It would be so difficult for us to get the good news of Jesus Christ into this great generation. Do your part today. Thanks for helping. I love you. I can't wait to see you on the next podcast.